You're listening to the Cognizant NetCentric podcast. I'm Livia Nasia, Senior Marketing and Communications at Cognizant NetCentric, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today's guests are Head of Consulting Piotr Zabiello and Associate Director of Consulting Quint Van Dyke. We're here to talk about the latest trends and challenges facing brands in the customer experience space. What we at Cognizant NetCentric can offer around that, and of course, our favorite topic, the Adobe Experience Cloud. Before we dig in, why don't you two introduce yourselves? Uh, starting with you, Piotr. Thank you, Livia. So my name is Piotr, Piotr Zabiello. As you mentioned, I'm the head of consulting for Cognizant for NetCentric. I work in this space over 20 years now, starting with being part of a software that originally has produced a major piece of the Adobe Experience Cloud, Adobe Experience Manager. Yeah, and by training, I'm an economist, so essentially I have I have no clue what I'm talking about, but I learned by experience. <laughs> nice. Quint. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think sort of the same here. Uh, Quint Vodak, and I work for Cognizant Netcentric out of the Netherlands. Um, before I joined Cognizant Netcentric about four years ago, I worked for almost 13 years in one of the largest telecommunication companies in the world. Um, many different roles from customer service to training, quality assurance. Um, they're moving into online digital development and product management. Um, in those years, I also worked a lot with Adobe and the whole Adobe Experience Cloud. So I also know how it is to be on the client side of things. Yeah. Um, I joined Cognizant Netcentric 2018, uh, where I now lead marketing technology consulting community, uh, as well as our product development circle. Um, also actively involved in many pre-sales activities. Um, I'm not an economist, but my background is in music, um, but I've also been coding, trying to create stuff ever since I was a little kid, you know, doing some basic code on my Commodore 64, that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot has changed <laughs> since then. Definitely. Well, thanks for that. So we're here today to talk about customer experience. It's not just a buzzword. It's a reality. We're all consumers, we're all customers, and we all expect unique to us offers from our favorite brands. We expect delightful user experiences when we sign up for a service or buy a car digitally. And digital experiences are where we interact with brands. So to put things in context, these experiences, they matter. It's not just about buying sneakers. There are high stakes involved in digital experiences. As healthcare services go digital, buying insurance or doing your online banking is now a digital experience. So for brands, these are opportunities and they come with a number of challenges. So let's let's dig into that. Uh, Piotr, Quint, you both work super closely with the world's biggest brands who are clients and of course Adobe. What kind of customer experience trends and challenges are top of mind for brands right now? I mean, honestly, I, I always relate this question also to, to really my personal life, right? What, what do I expect as, as a customer, as a, as a digital, as a user, as, you know, using all the channels that are being offered to me? And, and, and quite honestly, anything that is not convenient, that is not convenient to use and is not relevant, right? So really, Easy, easy to use and, and giving me what I need in, in my context, in, in what I want to achieve, I'm, I'm gone. And, and yes, I'm not really, well, maybe I am sort of a digital native, but sort of a very old digital native. But, but I think you, you can see this all over the place, right? The, the, 
the, the, the, young, the, the young generations, but even through, through my age, we want to be experiencing customer experiences that offer us value. And, and this is not given um, these days, right? And people or our customers also struggle to provide that because you need a lot of different elements coming together and you have a lot of impediments specifically in large organizations to, to get there. Yeah. Quint, do you want to add anything there? No, I would I would agree on the simplicity side, right? And that's that's yeah. both on, on the I think on the brand side, but also on the consumer side. It needs to be seamless, it needs to be simple. Um, and I think that is a challenge, even though you know, a lot of the technolo- technology that I think back in the days was way more complicated. It's now commoditized. You know, it's more configuration and development, but still you see this, this challenge in organizations to actually really adopt it and then create a seamless experience for, for their clients. Um, simplicity, I think that's that's one of the keywords. Yeah, definitely. And um, and another keyword I think definitely is brand loyalty. Many brands are taking on improving brand loyalty, which means improving those experiences and making things simple, as we just said. So how do you see that evolving? I can quickly jump in. I'm super terrible in brand loyalty. Now, I, I change my car brand every time I, I buy a car. Every time. I, I never bought the same you know, make or, or make it because I, I, I get a better experience elsewhere. At that moment in time, I'm flashed by whatever the buying process, the, the product, the, the something which offers me more value. I, I simply don't care. So, But there is one exception, right? We all know. Uh, we all know about it. It's obviously Apple, right? They they they, they lead in this domain, and even they, there, it's not perfect. I'm I'm still, you know, if I go to and ask for support, and and you have to enter your serial number or God knows what the tenth time and say, okay, Apple, really, this is like this here you can improve. But otherwise, it's it is pretty amazing what they what they do. That's maybe the most loyal brand that I have, you know, and that I'm most loyal to. And a big part of it is is the overall, not even digital um, customer experience. It's physical, digital, virtual, whatever you know, design. All 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 that we, everybody else aspires to to get there, right? And here we can also again circle back to to my other statement. Apple has, they were not greenfield, but almost, right? So they they really focused on that and streamlined the organization on that and were never like coming back to my favorite example of 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 car makers or automotives right there are all engineering companies that that, that grew by building combustion engines that that was their core business and everything else was sort of hmm, yeah i guess we need marketing <laughs> or we need after sales and and we need a lot of things but but it was never their core competency. And I think that was one of the major aspects that Apple did right very early on. And everyone is playing catch-up game and they're setting a standard and and, and that, that is customer experience. I think what Apple also did was that they created fans. You know, the, the customer experience created fans for the brand. So that leads me to... Of course, to, you know, the, the yeah. 5,000 people sleeping in front of the shop just because... It's madness, but that's you know this is this is where you want to be as a exactly. brand, right? That, that's why everybody says, "Oh, you know, they made it." <laughs> 
So recently, a team at Cognizant NetCentric developed the cross-gen fan engagement platform, our very own Adobe Experience Platform solution to drive digital transformation of fan experiences across generations. Quint, maybe you'd like to tell us a bit about the solution and how brands can leverage fan engagement, like Apple, let's say, in their customer experience strategies. Sure. You know, as we all know, you know, fan enthusiasm is one of those few things that still bring people together. So visiting a match or your favorite sports team or cheering for your favorite artist or band at the concert. These are just two of these examples where interaction and engagement uh, happen, but it happens across a way longer customer journey. Uh, One that already started maybe before the match or the concert and and should ideally continue afterwards. Um, There are examples of organizations that are doing a great job, not just Apple, but also in different industries. And they have unique fan experiences and they're good in increasing loyalty, engagement. Um, but what we see is that a lot of the organizations in the sports, gaming and entertainment industry, they, they often still lack direct actionable data to do the same. Um, so one example why is most of the fan data collection and the aggregation of that data uh, often still happens on third party platforms. Um, many times the result of just a lack of investment in first party data management capabilities. Um, and because of this data challenge, organizations are not able to provide compelling digital experiences. So with which I mean, you know, digital, compelling digital experiences, you know, we're talking about tailored, orchestrated messages along the whole journey, you know, across all devices, across all channels. Um, but if you can't meet those fans' needs and, and the expectations cannot be met sufficiently, in the end, that will lead to lower engagement, lower conversion rates, and also then the loss of cross and upsell potentials. Um, I think also Piotr mentioned it already that you know younger generations expect personalized experiences to be real time, you know, top notch. Uh, and to meet those expectations, organizations must also be able to create an actionable, intelligent, real time fan profile. Yeah, again, it's about data. Um, and for this, our team has developed a fan engagement platform, which is powered by Adobe Experience Platform. And it will enable brands to build unique fan experiences based on insights and consumer behavior. Um, This platform provides all the necessary business capabilities to create your own end-to-end customer journeys and and really leverage that real-time profile across channels. Um, It was developed leveraging our innovation center, uh, where we have our own cloud-based digital marketing reference implementation. Uh, It has been built with the latest Adobe solutions and some other complementary technologies. Um, and that innovation center also enables us, for instance, to test the latest Adobe tools, products, experiment a bit and learn, uh, and then build new use cases and production ready, production ready capabilities. Um, all of this based on the latest Adobe products and blueprints, like we have done for our fan engagement platform. Um, I, I really, really, really like what the team has built. You know, I'm a fan. <laughs> And also really eager to see what you know new kinds of improvements and, and features they will build moving it forward. Um, and I think just like Piotr, you know, we can't wait for the next client that will leverage this platform. Um, and that platform will then enable them to enhance the experience and loyalty of their fans. Yeah. I totally agree with everything we did here for the fan engagement across generation. Fan engagement is absolutely great. Uh, is, is sort of a, a showcase for, for many, many other industries. But in terms of customer experience, we, we should not forget that we're not talking on you know, consumer experience only. 
there is a lot, a lot of things to to be caught up in in the B two B space, right? So mm-hmm. I remember having a, a conversation that was probably five years ago on one of the Adobe summits with a uh, a company that is exclusively selling B two B, and it's in the you know med- medical diagnostic space. So they they have these machines that analyze blood samples and whatnot, and you need supplies, you need supplies, right? And and so I asked him, well, you must be doing great, you know, e-commerce, e-something, e-projects so that your um, your doctors and your labs can order supplies or maybe even the machines themselves say, hey, I need, you know, five more of this supplier or the other. And and back five years back, the, the, the lady I talked to said, no, no, this is coming by fax. Five years back, uh, I mean, probably, Livia, you have, you have not seen a fax machine in your life. Uh, I have. I have. I'm not that young, but but it's been a long time. Well, you since you get the point. This was the generation of lab owners, doctors, um, you know, pharmacies that have these type of machines that were using fax. Now, I, I talked to the same group of people a few months back, and it's super digital, right? It's apps, it's machines that talk to each other. Nobody uses facts. So this transformation also happens there. And guess what? If if that experience is not good, if that overall product experience from the machine that obviously is, is magnificent, but if I if I need to take care of ordering, you know, supplies, I lose time and I don't want to do that. So let let some something do that for me. This is also customer experience, right? No, no, of course. Nobody wants to send a, a fax anymore. <laughs> um, so what I think what you're both saying is that ultimately it really is about brands delivering customer experience excellence, not faxes. <laughs> um, Piotr, do you want to tell us a little bit about the concept of customer experience excellence in, in how you've developed it? Yeah. So, so one of my roles that, that I have within Cognizant Eccentric is to, to work on the definition of our offerings and our portfolio. And um, that was probably pretty much a year back. I learned about an initiative that started within Cognizant, uh, if I'm not mistaken, supported by or even mandated by the executive committee of Cognizant to to start thinking about a new offering structure that is not as it used to be, as most IT companies are structured, capabilities oriented. So it's not that we can do Adobe uh, projects and Salesforce project and SAP and, and we are the best, but towards the, the, the question of what problems, what customer challenges do we actually solve? And so that was one thing I really liked because that, that is how we should go to market and how we should address our, our customers and prospects. But the other aspect, it's also called a nested offering structure. So there are, there are different levels and they're all sort of flowing one into each other. I'll give an example right away. And there should be at least the idea is that they're compatible. So any offering that we would define should be in one way or the other, sort of almost like an API that it can be reused elsewhere or in another context that maybe we are not um, as active as in others. So that's where we started thinking about 
what would our offering be for customer experience and not only customer experience, but customer experience excellence, because that is what we want to provide or help our customers to succeed in. And we, we took on the customer experience excellence, or even sometimes say to the power of excellence as sort of the top level offerings. And then we defined what are the problems that we are addressing and what are the ingredients, if you will, one level down, and how do we solve this challenge? And we have sort of the next level of offerings would be if you want to achieve customer experience excellence, you need to be able to deal with content. Obviously, you need to be able to have the right content at the right moment, at the right time, to the right person in the right language and, and you know all these things and to do this at scale. So typically our customers operate worldwide have 100 plus country presences, have 20, 30 languages that they mainly operate in. And that generates hundreds, thousands, millions of pages, fragments, assets, whatnot. And you need to be able to deal with them. The second thing is you need to um, have customer journeys, so defined and, and managed. Uh, at scale. So as we just talked about, you know, my, my Apple examples, I, I, I have a, a journey that I take. Uh, I have a context I'm in. So you need to basically deliver, you can call it customer journeys at scale or personalization at scale. You need to be able to um, handle and, and be able to deliver these, these journeys for millions of users or customers at every day. For that, you also need data. So you need to gather a lot of data, you need to be able to process it and to use it to, to act, activate it, as we say, right? So not only gather data, but actually use it for personalization um, and, and uh, make sure that the, the optimal result is being delivered in the digital channel. And of course, if you have transactional things, if you have commerce elements in your business, e-commerce elements, then we typically work in experience-rich uh, commerce projects. So, you know, Amazon might not be the, the best experience, but then you have every imaginable product there, right? But the experience, uh, I'm, I'm not too convinced. But of course, if you want to shop for watches or Gucci bags or Nike sneakers, then you want to have a very rich experience and a lot of storytelling and, you know, rich digital world, portrait ambitions, and, and, and all of the above. So these are these are sort of the main pillars of, of our offering leading to customer experience. And I think if, if, if Quint, if I, you, you have been one of the, well, collaborators on one end, but you also applied this offering structure in, in certain customer or prospect situations. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you could say a word about the reception of, of these things. You know, what I, what I like, but the fact that we've already used it in the wild, you know, it, this shows that it's not just a theoretical exercise, you know, that kept us busy for some time, but, you know, it's actually applicable also to challenges that our clients have. Um, and the example that you're referring to, you know, we were shared their strategic roadmap for the next three years. Um, large global brands, they need to you know, really step up on the personalization and, and targeting space. Um, they are using, Adobe technology for that. And they've defined five strategic pillars in which they run, or at least five strategic pillars that they have within their program. And what we could show them with our offering is that we could map, I think, 
three of our offerings we were able to map against four of those strategic pillars. And the nice thing, because it's nested, we could then also actually show what was inside the box. So it's not just a whole of phrase like content at scale or personalization at scale or customer journey at scale. Or, you know, underneath, we could show this is what we could deliver on a level two. And even if you go under the hood, these are the accelerators, the other frameworks, these are the best practices, these are ways of working that we bring to the table the moment that you will buy one of these offerings for us. Um, it was very well received. Um, and for me, it also helps because we can create a story, we can create a narrative instead of just you know, do an Excel exercise when answering an RFP. Uh, so also it made my job a lot more fun. That's important. <laughs> it is. It of course. Is. Anything that makes it clear how we can deliver value to our clients. Um, so we've talked about customer experience challenges. We've talked about our new portfolio and offering. And now it's time to talk a little bit about Adobe because it brings it all together. We're Adobe experts. At Cognizant Netcentric, we live and breathe the Adobe Experience Cloud. And we've won multiple awards in this space. We're even a global alliance solution partner for Adobe. I have to say all this. It's important. We recently became Cognizant's global Adobe practice. Tell us about what becoming Cognizant's global Adobe practice, Cognizant Netcentric, means to, to our clients, to our employees. Quint, maybe you want to start here. Well, for starters, it means that I now have 1,550 Adobe specialists around the world as my direct colleague. Excellent. Uh, which is exciting. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, we are now, you know, we were already part of a broader organization for years. Uh, so we interacted, we engaged, uh, but now we're joining all these Adobe teams into one global Adobe practice. Uh, didn't happen yet. And as Cognizant Netcentric, we now hold 12 Adobe specializations globally. And we have more than 800 AEM, 200 analytics and target, 350 campaign specialists, uh, you know, just to name a few. Um, this will also enable us you know, to accelerate our growth in other regions, uh, which opens up also some opportunities for all of us and uh, Cognizant Netcentric. So I, I think it's very exciting times. Piotr, do you have anything you want to add there? Well, the, the the recent merge, if you will, of, of our two two practices, so the originally acquired netcentric practice and the more organically grown cognizant practice around Adobe, is pretty much along the line what, what what we talked about how the offerings also change, right? So we, I think, from a netcentric side of things, we were typically more geared towards outcomes, producing outcomes for the customers, while while the, the more organic, the other side of the cognizant Adobe competency was very much resource oriented, right? So it's and, and, and here we, we now jointly engage on this path of having defined these new offerings that are go beyond just outcomes. It's really helping the customer with, with fundamental challenges. And that changes the, the nature also of, of delivery. And, and this is, I think, uh, the biggest thing we, we're looking forward to achieve jointly and now with even us, right? <laughs> not, not only customer journeys at scale, but also delivery at scale with, with the possibilities we have to colleagues that, that Quint mentioned worldwide available. So that, that is really the spirit we want to introduce there and, and make it a success on, on this level. 
So I like that you're already talking about the world. You're already talking about the future. And finally, I want both of you to answer this question. And this is how we usually end our podcast episode. Something personal, a little bit fun. Feel free to be creative. What technology or innovation are you looking forward to on a personal level? What's keeping you excited about the future? I can start. I find the one challenging because I've listened to many of the other podcasts and already great examples have been given. Uh, So, yes, I put a little bit of thought into what what shall I answer? Um, I think I'm I'm still excited for quite some time about extended reality, which is sort of the umbrella term for virtual augmented mixed reality. Um, I think that the value that those technologies could bring and and potentially new ones are massive. And um, I think we just scratch the surface of what's possible and and how we can really utilize these technologies and and have many people benefit from access to information, support, and education, entertainment even. Um, Only usually when, when you read about Extended reality or, or something in the VR space. You know, it's always about gaming. What's about commerce? What's about design? What's about social? Uh, you know, and yeah, this is how we will benefit, and this is how we will commercialize it, etc. But I think I see greater potential and potential benefits in building innovative applications on, for instance, healthcare or humanitarian or educational purposes. Um, and because this is also about leveraging the huge amount of data. That we all sit on and then building something meaningful meaningful and, and actionable on top of it that that makes me very excited um yeah, and just a side note i'm, I'm not that enthusiastic about the metaverse ah, <laughs> i was just about to ask okay let's not talk about the metaverse no, <laughs> all right over to you Piotr. yeah I, i give you i give you like two answers um and, and so what one area that that i I'm interested in, and I believe we'll, we'll, or I'm very confident that we'll see uh, progress in, in the right direction. Is, is of course, you know, something that everything that helps my my children to to get old and, and lead a, um, a a good life, and you know, without this whole uh, effects of of or the, the fear of of the planet dying and, and climate change or or anything. So call it sustainability, you know. Everything there. I just want to. I, I remember actually reading almost fifty years ago the the Club of Rome report, which was back then. So they they predicted a few clever or very very uh, known scientists. They they all they predicted the end of the world basically, right? So if we continue to to use our resources this way, then then uh, we we all gonna die. We are at a similar point, but. <laughs> The, uh, the 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 beauty of or what they what they forgot is that actually people um, invent things, people react to um, circumstances, and and I guess we 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 use effectively much less resources than than probably uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, or, or we are changing our behavior and technology helps, and so all that that's one one of the contexts. Uh, that I'm exciting, excited about. The the other one, which since I I literally I had my first internet email address in 1988, and I used to surf the internet. Well, you didn't surf. You you used it fully text based, right? So that that was 
there was no web. No, so there was I, I literally experienced the web 1.0 introduction. Uh, obviously, uh, part of the web 2 um, thing, and and now looking forward to what's happening in web 3. And and you know the, this uh, the underlying technologies are super exciting. The governance they could potentially enable this is extremely exciting for an ex economist. This is like, you know, dreams coming true, potentially facilitated by technology. And here we are at the at the start. Um, there will be there's going to be a lot of of technology problems to solve. There's going to be a lot of resistance to solve. Just uh, if you have followed the Libra project from Facebook, they that was a, essentially a, a brilliant idea, and it got squashed right. because of not technology, because of, of very real interests. So we will go through a lot of these cycles, and I think this is super exciting. Wow. Okay. That's really great. Thank you. A note of hope there at the end. <laughs> All right. So that's a wrap. Thanks to our guests, Piotr and Quint, for sharing your expertise and perspectives today. I hope it's been insightful for our listeners. Thanks for listening to the Cognizant Netcentric podcast.